Not only should Walters be your spot before and after every Nats game, but also Walters is an avenue for cheaper Nats tickets. When buying tickets to Nationals Park through the rest of the season, enter promo code WALTERS for 30% off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Shades right. Duarte fires home. Swing a blast to left field for Call. Way back Benson. To the track. To the wall. It's long gone. Nationals back in front. 3-2. Alex Call puts one four rows deep over the Reds' bullpen in section 102. The kick and the pitch. Swing and a line drive and a right. A base hit. That will score Benson from third. And the Reds have tied the game again at 3-3. Three and three. Pitch from Harvey is blasted to left field. Back Dickerson to the warning track. He's at the wall, and it is gone. First pitch in the 10th inning, a two-run homer, and it's 5-3 Cincinnati. Senzel saves the game in the bottom of the ninth and puts them ahead in the top of the 10th with his seventh home run of the season. And welcome to Nat Chat for Friday, July 7th, 2023, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. If there's such a thing as a four-game series that felt like a 10-game losing streak, this just concluded four-game series for the Nats against the Cincinnati Reds uh, at Nationals Park, is it? The Nats, off that terrific 6-3 and three road trip, swept by the Reds in four games. A 5-4-10 inning loss on Thursday in a game in which the Nats blew a 3-2 eighth inning lead and a game that was plagued by a rain delay. A rain delay of one hour and 43 minutes. Nats now 34-53, and second worst record in the National League, 21-22 and on the road versus just 13-31 and at home. The Nats have lost 14 of their last 15 home games. The Reds have won 20 of their last 24 games now are 49 and 39. You know, Mark, the Nats in this rebuild facing a team like the Reds, you look at the Reds, and to me, it's like you can't help but see what you hope for the Nats to be. The Reds are this promising young team, a number of good young hitters having this surprisingly successful season. Hopefully, sooner rather than later, the Nats are there, but uh, they obviously are not there yet. I think the emotion today, Al, is jealousy. (laughs) How many Nationals fans, how many, to be honest, Nationals employees are wishing that they were in the position that the Reds are in right now? Now, there's been going on a little bit longer. They obviously went through some very lean years there. They didn't win a World Series four years ago to have that to cling to. 
But boy, it is all coming together for them right now. And in a way that you just hope somehow proves to be the same for the Nationals. But as we know, there are no guarantees that it's going to work out the same way. And it was striking. I mean, the difference right now between these two teams is vast. It felt like they were playing the best team in baseball, and it felt like the Nationals are the worst team in baseball. And they're not. They're maybe closer than that than we wanted them to be. But boy, it never, even when they would hold a lead, it just did not feel like they were ever comfortable. It felt like the Reds were always one base runner away from turning the game back in their favor. You know, you think about the Nats' struggles these last few years, and even in times in which things maybe haven't been that bad, what's the longest Nats winning streak since the start of the 2020 season? You know, I don't know it offhand, but I know it's not that long. And you compare that with the Reds winning 20 of 24 games. Like, you think about that for a moment. A stretch of 24 games in which a team goes 20 and 4. That's like a month of basically doing nothing but winning. That's like unfathomable right now (laughs) if you're a Nats fan. Like, the Nats aren't in the same stratosphere as the Reds in terms of doing something like that. And that can change, and that will change. I mean, the Nats will be a good team again at some point, but man, that just slaps you right across the face. 20 out of 24. That's unthinkable with this Nats team right now. Yeah, the only brief period of time since October of 2019 they've had anything along those lines is June of 21 when Schwarber was just going off and they were starting to make up for a very rough start to their season. And we thought, okay, here it comes. This might be the big turnaround for them. And they still have one more run in them. And then July of 21 arrived and everything fell apart. And we know what's happened since then. No, they have not come close to anything like that. And it's true. Even a hundred loss team may have a couple of weeks where they win eight out of 10, 10 out of 14, something like that, that you really cling to. I mean, right now, what we're clinging to is a six and three road trip, which was great, by the way. That was a good road trip that a lot of things went well. And they came home feeling really encouraged about that. But boy, does that feel like a long time ago now, because the team we just saw over the last four days, nothing like the team we saw on the road. Well, we on the last installment of the podcast talked up this game on Thursday as being a significant outing for Mackenzie Gore of his uh, very rough outing in his last start. Well, this ended up being a very abbreviated outing for Mackenzie Gore, but through no fault of his own. Because of that rain delay, again, one hour, 43 minutes happened early in the game. Mackenzie Gore ended up barely pitching in this game, one and a third scoreless innings, and then he was done for the game after the rain delay. And so this essentially became a bullpen game for the Nats, uh, a bullpen game that went 10 innings. I mean, not ideal if you're Davey Martinez, especially considering what's coming up this weekend, one of the best teams in the majors, the American League West leading Texas Rangers. But, you know, it was interesting, Mark. Mackenzie Gore gets pulled after the rain delay. The red starter does not get pulled after the rain delay. Brandon Williamson. Now, look, I didn't have any issue with Davey not sending Mackenzie Gore back out there. Rebuilding team, young pitcher. You shouldn't risk anything in the way of injury. But do you think it was at all a decision? Or do you think Davey knew for sure he wasn't putting Mackenzie Gore back out there? No, there was a period there where they were willing to consider it. And uh, I don't know how much they were showing during the rain delay, but Mackenzie Gore was in the Nationals bullpen for quite a while once the rain had started to ease up. And he threw two, I'm going to call them simulated innings with Riley Adams catching one of them as a way to stay warm and almost, you know, act like, okay, well, that's my second inning. That's my third inning. Now I can come back out and maybe give a couple more. You know, he would not have been able to give a full complete start. But the hope was he could at least go a few more innings and 
salvage something out of that, but it just got to the point that it was too much. If the rain delay is maybe around the hour mark, I think they might've been willing to let him do it. But at 1.43, it was too much. And I mean, he was itching to go. You could see my favorite image of the whole day is the skies just opened up and it was quick. It went from zero to a hundred very quick and everybody runs off the field. They pull the tarp. Mackenzie Gore is the only guy standing out there like Charlie Brown, his hands on his hips, you know, looking like, what? Come on, we can play through this. Come on, don't do this to me now. Like he wanted to pitch and made it known that he wanted to keep pitching. And, you know, they were willing to consider it to a point. In a way, this might be a little bit of a blessing in disguise. And let's talk about the bigger picture here. They are going to monitor his innings this year. They always have said that they're going to have to find ways to skip starts, limit starts, something along those lines. In a way, this may have provided them that kind of opportunity. If this is a different pitcher and the team's in a different situation, you could argue he should come back and start before the weekend is over, maybe on Sunday in the finale. I don't see them doing that because you basically didn't get him to pitch in this game. It's 17 pitches that he threw. You've now got the all-star break, and they could finagle the rotation to have him be the fifth starter coming out of the break. That would be a nice prolonged break for a guy who they are watching very closely. And if that ultimately allows him to get into September before they decide he's had enough, I think that actually benefits him and the organization in the long run. I had to laugh, though, with this rain delay because we had just a few days ago the Nats delaying the start of a game by 25 minutes for a rain delay that never came. This game, the Nats started, you played a little bit, like an inning and change, and then you had the rain delay, and it went on for an hour and 43 minutes. I mean, you are darned if you do and darned if you don't with these rain delays. The Nats deserve a good amount of the criticism they've gotten with these rain delays, but there very much is an element here of just some bad luck. I mean, this is like classic bad luck when you look at what happened in this game versus what happened in that previous game. Oh, 100%. And this one, sometimes these storms, you see them coming. This was a pop-up storm, you know, around the whole region. And the game started and there were, you look at the radar, there were storms all around, but not right over DC, not over the ballpark. So you don't know for sure it's going to happen or when it's going to happen. So you start the game. And then there were a few rumbles of thunder in the distance. The skies get dark and you're realizing, eh, this may hit us soon. And then bam, it was, I mean, the skies just opened. It was so quick. There was no even reason to try to play through the rain because it was never light enough for them to do that. And then you hope, well, maybe it'll be over quick like the last one and it'll be half an hour. No, it was almost two hours and it took a good while for them to clean up the warning track because it was drenched. So yeah, DC in the summer, I don't know that there is an answer other than spending the money to put a roof on Nationals Park, which as we know, is not going to happen because it was not designed for that. And it would be very cost prohibitive, whether that's for the Lerner family, a future owner, or the District of Columbia, I don't see that one happening anytime soon. How about the roof at Nationals Park brought to you by Monumental Sports and Entertainment? Ted Leonsis, if you're listening, there's a way to win over Nationals fans. So yeah, six Nats relievers in this game, five runs, four earned, eight and two-thirds innings. The results were rather mixed from the Nats bullpen on Thursday. Mason Thompson got us going one run in two and two-thirds innings. He in the top of the third allowed a run on a one-out walk of Will Benson and a two-out RBI single by Kevin Newman through the left side of the infield for a one nothing Reds lead. Jordan Weems then pitched. He officially allowed a run in one and two-thirds innings. He in a Reds one-run six base, four batters, got just two outs. Jose A. Ferrer officially one and a third scoreless innings, although 
He, in that Reds one-run six, gave up a two-out RBI double by uh, Mr. Blasnob, Ellie De La Cruz, uh, down the third baseline and into foul territory to tie the game at two. Although, also on this play, was some good defense by the Nats. And yes, I did say good defense. Uh, left fielder Stone Garrett and shortstop C.J. Abrams teaming up to throw out Matt McClain at home for the third out. McLean to third. He's going to try to score. Garrett's throw to Abrams. The relay to the plate. The tag by Adams, and he is out! And the game stays tied. Credit to catcher Riley Adams made a great pick on a one-hop throw by Abrams. But then came the Nats' top two relievers, Kyle Finnegan and Hunter Harvey, having problems. So Finnegan allowed a run in an inning. He in the top of the eighth allowed a run on a leadoff opposite field double by Will Benson down the left field line. And Finnegan then gave up a one-out pinch RBI single by Joey Votto to right field to tie the game at three. And then Hunter Harvey, boy, you talk about a Jekyll and Hyde outing for him. Two runs, one earned in one and a third innings with three strikeouts. He tossed a perfect top of the ninth with two swinging strikeouts to preserve a three-all tie. That was great. But then Harvey in the top of the 10th on his very first pitch gave up a two-run homer by Nick Senzel to left field for a 5-3 Reds lead. And just like that, the Nats were back to being down again. And then Corey Abbott, top of the 10th, he faced three batters and got two outs, both via strikeouts. When you have to use six relievers in a game, they're not all going to be on. Some will be good and some will be not so good. And uh, in this game, we got that mixed bag. Yeah, they're not all going to be good, but also you're going to have to ask guys to go multiple innings and to ask them to be good for multiple innings is often a tough ask, especially for someone like Hunter Harvey, who I know he has done it on occasion, but that hasn't really been the norm here lately. He dominated the ninth. He looked great in the ninth inning and 15 pitches. In a perfect world, you don't even have to think about bringing him back for the 10th. The problem is you've already used up four other guys. You have a few others who are not available in the bullpen because of how much they had thrown the night before. Corey Abbott's the only remaining arm, and you have to save him for whatever may come next. So I don't fault the decision to put him back out there for the 10th, but that's not a spot that he would typically be used like that, all things being equal. Now, he still grooved a first pitch fastball that was hammered to left field. And I do think when we've seen Hunter Harvey struggle, it has very often been the home run and usually off a fastball right over the plate. He's got great stuff, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have to locate it. He does still need to hit his spots. You can't just put a fastball at 98, 99 miles an hour on a platter. There are big league hitters who are going to hit that ball a long way, and that's what happens here. So that was frustrating for everybody, obviously, but you wish it didn't have to come to a point where Davey really didn't have a choice but to put Hunter Harvey out there for a second inning of relief. We are, of course, headed for the All-Star break, and we know that everyone's about to get some rest. But, you know, until then, there are games that are being played. This is a week in which the Nats do not have a scheduled off day. And like I said, they are set to face one of the better teams in the majors in the Texas Rangers. The Rangers lead the American League West. The Rangers entered play on Thursday, number three in the majors in team-weighted runs created. Plus, my point would be this. You just had this game in which you, through no fault of your own, had Mackenzie Gore have this ultra-abbreviated start. You use six relievers. You don't have a scheduled off day. You're about to face an offensive powerhouse in the Rangers. And oh, by the way, the Nats scheduled starting pitchers in this series, Trevor Williams in Game 1, Jake Irvin in Game 2, Patrick Corbin in Game 3. Not that anyone on the Nats staff really is an innings eater, but 
you know, those are your three, in theory, worst starters. Although Irvin lately actually has been pretty good. But the bullpen may have to be leaned on quite a bit over these next few games. And what happened on Thursday does not set up the bullpen well for these next three games. No, nor what happened the previous day. This was a really rough series for all of them. Now, I know I predicted the previous night that there might be a move coming after Joe LaSorsa threw 51 pitches. They did not make that move. I've got to think that if there is somebody with a fresh arm who can come up to help them out for the rest of the weekend, they may have to take advantage of that. Not even as a reflection of poor performance by anybody, but just availability. So whether it's a Paolo Espino, a Hobie Harris, even a Willie Peralta, or somebody who could come in and you know can give you multiple innings if you need it this weekend, I would not be surprised if they feel compelled to make a move like that. They are banged up right now, and they were used a lot, not just in this game, but over the course of the series. And you're right, three games to go against a really good hitting Rangers team. You can't be thinking ahead of the All-Star break yet. You've got to find a way to get through this weekend and hope you can win a game or, God forbid, two games and actually have a winning record in a home series. It would be nice to reward the ticket-paying Nats fans with a win once in a while. We don't want to ask for too much, but geez, uh, a win once in a while would be nice. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Summer is here. The heat, the humidity, forcing your air conditioning unit into overdrive, leading to energy bills that are higher than James Wood's potential. <laughs> the solution, new windows from my friends at Window Nation, which is offering a great deal. No money down, no payments, and no interest for two years, plus two free windows for every two windows that you buy. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Protect your home and increase the value of your home with great new windows from Window Nation, which does windows right. You know, the average installer from Window Nation has over 16 years of experience with over 20 thousand windows installed. No money down, no payments, and no interest for two years, plus two free windows for every two windows that you buy. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Hey, Nat Chat listeners. The world's most comfortable pants are at Bird Dogs. If you go to birddogs.com, all one word, you can look at their various selection and see their soft, stretchy khakis that will last forever. Bird Dogs fit better than regular shorts. They're made of a stiff, restricting cotton, and I believe it based upon customer reviews. Go to birddogs.com pool and enter promo code pool for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com pool for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. Hey, are you a law firm partner stuck on an underperforming team while the rest of the competitors are spending big and winning big? Well, unlike Mackenzie Gore and Kibit Ruiz, you have options. You don't have to stay on your 60-win team. Nat Chat sponsor Mason Kalfis and his team specialize in placing partners and associates at medium-sized and large law firms in Washington, D.C. and across the country. 
Mason Kalfas has recruiters in six states and displaced lawyers in more than half of the 100 largest law firms in the United States. While you may be reading doom and gloom from the legal press, many practices are red hot antitrust, IP litigation, white collar litigation, finance and direct lending, and healthcare. Because you are not under a CBA or team control for six years, in fact, staying at a firm too long is often a recipe for being underpaid. Explore your options today with Mason Kalfas. Call Mason today at 202-486-3535. That number again, 202-486-3535. Hey, Nat Chat Podcast. Tim Shover is here to tell you about the Game Time app. My wife is a big concert fan, and I'm a bit of a newbie and don't know where to begin in terms of how to get concert tickets. Then I remembered about Game Time, the best place for last-minute ticket deals. Plenty of options on there, such as Luke Bryan, Trey Anastasio, and Chris Stapleton up in Baltimore. The options are endless. Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you would know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Here's the set, and now the pitch. Swinging a ground ball toward the hole. It's through a base hit into left field. Abrams has scored. Rounding third, breaking for the plate is called. The throw is not in time. He slides across with run number two on a single through the left side for Lane Thomas. And the Nationals have taken the lead here with two out of the bottom of the fifth inning. It's now the Nationals two and the Reds one. What a turn of events here. The Nats offense in this series just did not keep pace with the Reds offense, that's for sure. The Nats in this 5-4-10 inning loss on Thursday, just four runs, just eight hits, just two walks, just two for 11 with runners in scoring position. Three guys did well. We'll get to them momentarily. Lane Thomas, Alex Call, and Riley Adams. But Kbert Ruiz in this game, he was the Nats starting designated hitter and number five batter. He went 0-5 with two strikeouts. We know that K-Bert this season has hit into a lot of bad luck. I feel like you're required by law to say that anytime you talk about this guy this season. But look, you should make mention of that because his basic offensive numbers aren't telling the entire story. That said, man, his basic offensive numbers are really rough. K-Bert Ruiz now for this season has a batting average of just 225 and on base percentage of just 279 and a slugging percentage of just 360. Internally, how do you think the Nats would evaluate Kbert Ruiz offensively? Obviously, you acknowledge some of the bad luck, but what do you think the internal thinking is on where he's at as a batter? I think they honestly look at the bad luck above all else. I don't think they believe that he should be having a great season offensively, but I think they believe he should be having at least an average season offensively, and all those hard hits that aren't turning into hits are maybe costing him. Now, I think they also know there are things with his approach that he can do differently. He swings a lot, like you mentioned the on-base percentage. He does not draw walks. There's maybe a way to try to get him to improve at that. But I honestly think that deep down, they are more concerned with or wanting to see improvement on the defensive side of the game, pitch framing in particular, than anything offensively. Now, 
The reason he was in the lineup as a DH for this one is that Davey felt like he has had more success hitting right-handed, which he has. The numbers are much better from the right side of the plate. So they're facing a lefty in this game, although it turned out it was only for three innings because of the rain situation. So that's why he wanted him in there as the DH in this game. But I do wonder, and I'll be interested to see over the second half of the year, if Riley Adams continues to hit, and he has continued to hit when given the opportunity, if we might see him just get more starts and give Ruiz more of a break and maybe having two days a week off instead of just one and true days off, not DHing those games, if that might ultimately be good for him, it's worth a try, right? If he's having bad luck, if he is not hitting the way that you think he probably can and should, give him a couple extra days off and see if that does make a difference. Here's something else, too, with Riley Adams. And this was a thing two years ago, and I feel like it just got completely abandoned. What about him getting some games at first base? Is that just not an option anymore? We, in this game, had Joey Manessis as an ad starting first baseman for, believe it or not, the first time since April 27th. Manessis had not started a game at first base since April 27th. He was actually the Nats number three batter in this game, but he had another rough game offensively, 0 for 3 with a couple of strikeouts. And, you know, with Riley Adams in this game, it was another productive game for him. Starting catcher, number seven batter, three for four with two doubles and a single. Riley Adams now this season in, yes, limited playing time, just 79 plate appearances, OPS of 881. Is him playing first base just like completely off the table or is that still a possibility? I don't see him taking a lot of ground balls over there anymore the way that he used to on a pretty much daily basis when they were considering that possibility. I'm guessing that the Dom Smith, Joey Manessa situation has made them believe they don't really need that, that they have Joey to play first base and he barely has played first base. So I would think that maybe the way to go there is give Joey some more starts at first and you could even DH Riley Adams on the days that Caber Ruiz is catching. There is a willingness to use both guys. Now it almost cost them before this game was over where they were in a spot where Riley Adams on second base, and they probably needed to pinch run for him. Now, the reason they didn't was because Michael Chavis was sick and was sent home. So they were down a guy on the bench. So I think that had more to do with it than anything. But as a manager, you're always going to be hesitant to do anything to remove one of your two catchers when they're both in the lineup. So that is the risk of DHing one of them. But look, at some point, you got to say, you just got to put your best hitters out there as much as possible. And right now, Riley Adams is one of their best hitters and should be playing more, whether it's catching or whether it's DHing. Well, we know that that's number one hitter this season has been Lane Thomas. Yet another productive game for him on Thursday. Someone get this man on the National League All-Star team, please. Lane on Thursday, two for five, a two-run single and an RBI single. He and an ads two-run fifth, had a two-out full count, two-run single through the left side of the infield for a 2-1 Nats lead. And Thomas in an ads one-run tenth a leadoff RBI single off Ellie De La Cruz. As, uh, De La Cruz uh, was playing shortstop at this point, and that cut the Nats deficit to 5-4. Your uh, Lane Thomas team-leading OPS for this season now is at 858. What a job he's doing as a batter. And then Alex Cole in this game. How about this guy? Just his second game back from AAA Rochester. He was the Nats starting center fielder, number nine batter, one for two with a solo homer, two walks, and a stolen base. It was nice to see the Nats generate some stolen bases in this game, so I want to give the Nats credit for that. But Alex Cole in a Nats one-run seventh, a clutch homer, a tie-breaking one-out solo homer on a bomb to left field for a 3-2 Nats lead, 
428 feet per stat cast. <laughs> what got into this guy in Rochester? And then Cole also had two walks in this game. Bottom of the third, a one-out 10-pitch walk. And Cole in that Nats two-run fifth, a two-out walk. And he had to steal a second base on a big double steal that also featured C.J. Abrams stealing third base on a tremendous slide around the tag. But geez, Alex Cole, very good game for him at the plate. I thought he was going to be the story of the game after he hit the home run. And, you know, hey, give him a lead. Now you got Finnegan and Harvey, and unfortunately that didn't work out. But yeah, props to Alex Call, who I'm sure he's feeling internally now that he's back up here. Hey, I got to make an immediate impression and show them that I deserve to be here and still be the uh, everyday center fielder. Now, that can backfire at times, but good on him for coming through. That 10-pitch walk was a fantastic at-bat. And I want to talk about the double steal. That was a risky move with two outs and runners on first and second. And Abrams was picked off. Now a pickoff play on its second and the runner breaks for third. India the throw there. He left too soon. The pitcher throws to second and then he still beats the throw or he didn't beat the throw, but he beat the tag with a nice slide on his part as the replay showed. Now, Davey said that he felt like that was worth the risk because of how much trouble they've had scoring runs. You have to press the envelope right now with this team. And so it was a gamble. If he's out, we're probably calling it a terrible decision to try for it. But sometimes you just got to go for broke. It worked, thanks in part then to Lane Thomas's clutch hit right after that. But that was kind of a big moment and a dangerous moment. But it shows you the state of things right now that they feel like they have to take that kind of a gamble on a double steal with two outs. That's their only way they're going to score runs. Well, it was nice from an emotional standpoint to see the Nats get some stolen bases in this game off what we saw over the first three games of this series. The Nats on Thursday, four for four on stolen bases. The Reds, a mere one for one. So, ha ha ha. (laughs) Take that, Cincinnati. Jamer Candelario, boy, a rough last two days for him physically. He, in that loss on Wednesday night, hurt his left thumb. And then he, in this game on Thursday, took a wicked hit by pitch and he's hit by the pitch. Candelario's nailed with it in the leg. He goes hobbling to the third base side of home plate after getting hit in the knee. Ended up leaving the game for a pinch runner in Luis Garcia. Do we have any idea on how Candelario is doing? I saw him in the clubhouse afterwards. It wasn't iced up or wrapped up, so that's maybe a good sign. But boy, that looked like it hurt. I could feel that all the way up in the press box, taking one off the knee like that. And he was down in a heap. He has been taking a beating here. And You'd love to get him through the weekend and keep him out there because he's one of your more productive hitters, but he may need a day or two or even the whole weekend. We'll see. I could see him showing up on Friday with a much more swollen knee than it was in the immediate aftermath of it. But just looking at him in the clubhouse afterwards, it didn't seem like it was anything that was still affecting him. All right. So like we said, next up, three-game series against the AL West leading Texas Rangers at Nationals Park. Game one Friday night, 7.05, Trevor Williams will be the Nats starting pitcher. Game two, Saturday afternoon, 4.05. Jake Irvin will be the Nats starting pitcher. And game three, Sunday afternoon, 12.05. Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher. You're in that Nats clubhouse basically every day, save for the six and three road trip. This has been a rough last month plus for this team. A lot of losses. Do you get the sense that guys are down, that things are kind of teetering here a little bit? Or, or do you more or less still get a pretty good vibe from these guys when you're in that clubhouse? I feel like a couple of games in this series, they were pretty down. The blowout losses, the ugly ones. This one, less so. Because I think they all acknowledge, like, this is a weird game. The moment that the tarp came out in the second inning, 
it's almost like everybody has to acknowledge, okay, this is not going to be a conventional game. We hope we win it, but God, we're going to have to get a little crazy in what we do. I mean, this game was ridiculous. We talked about everything the Nats did. The Cincinnati Reds, the nine players they had starting the game, not one of them finished the game at the same position. You had Spencer Steer play during the course of this game, left field, then first base, then third base, then first base. You had Nick Senzel play center field, then right field, then third base. They gave up their DH and officially had their pitcher hitting, although the spot didn't come up in the end. Everybody was bouncing around all over the place. They had three different catchers during the course of a game. So this was just going to be a weird game all along. And I think the Nationals felt like in the end, well, shrug your shoulders. So what? I think the other games hurt them a little bit more. Now, in the bigger picture, I do still feel like it's a fairly optimistic group. I think they reluctantly understand that there are growing pains and that they are still in a rebuild and they are not where the Reds are right now. It's probably easier for the young guys who are going to be a part of that in the long term to accept it. I'm sure some of the others who are maybe placeholders who don't have a long-term future here are frustrated by it and wish they were winning more games. But I don't sense a lot of the you know demoralizing vibe. I certainly don't sense the team turning on the manager, anything like that, which you always worry about when things go as bad as they seem to be. I guess it helps when they do go on the road and they play well and win like that. It can change things very quickly. But man, at home, this has been tough. Can only imagine what deep down they're thinking when they've lost 14 of their last 15 at home. I mean, most teams in the majors are better at home than on the road. That the Nats are 21 and 22 on the road versus 13 and 31 at home is just inexplicable. Like Whatever you want to say about the crowds at Nationals Park, you know, the Nats from an attendance standpoint actually aren't doing that bad this season. Had some very healthy crowds over the July 4th weekend. Now, the crowd on Thursday was not good, about 10,000 and change. But like, it's not like you're playing at, you know, the Miami Marlins home ballpark or the Oakland A's home ballpark. Like you are still getting decent crowds at Nationals Park. And to be 13 and 31 at Nats Park really is inexcusable. So hopefully, if nothing else, that changes as this season goes on. You can only hope so. And I, I don't have a good reason for it. I don't think they have a good reason for it. It's not a lack of energy in the ballpark. It's nothing along those lines. They just, for whatever reason, do not play good baseball. Again, it's not just the wins and losses. It's the quality of baseball. They're not playing good baseball at home, and yet they are on the road. Maybe being on the road, sometimes you're getting up for games against good teams and louder crowds. Maybe there is something or this idea of like, hey, we're going to play the underdog role here and, and the spoiler role. I mean, I think they took some pride in what they did to the Padres, a team that believes it should be better and isn't, what they did to the Mariners, kind of a similar situation, even the Phillies to some extent. Maybe they do feel something like that, but it is weird how they cannot sustain that when they come back home. And, you know, yeah, 10,064 at this game, it was a hot, muggy, ultimately rainy, long matinee on a Thursday in July. I applaud the fans who stuck it out for this one. It has not been easy. It can't be easy to keep feeling like you believe this team is going to play better and start winning in front of your own eyes and just to have not seen it happen. It's got to be frustrating for everyone. Yeah. And with the Nationals Park thing too, 
This goes back years. I mean, the Nats in the playoffs since the franchise came to D.C. have been much better on the road than at home. We all remember the 2019 World Series 4-0 on the road versus 0-3 at home. So I don't know. There's some weird juju at Nationals Park to where this team, whether it's a championship team or rebuilding team, uh, (laughs) doesn't seem to have a ton of success at Nationals Park. Well, you tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the show natschatpodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the show, we'd love to have you on board. Contact Tim Schober, see what we can do for you. That email address again is natschatpodcast at gmail.com. Check out our website, natschatpodcast.com, at which you can get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat Podcast music. Visit timnewmark.com. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. 2-0, one nothing Senators second inning. The 2-0 is hit high in the air to deep center. Wood is retreating, still going back out near the fence, jumps, and he makes the catch against the fence. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.